the first time I ever went to the airport. Uh-huh. I was like, I was like seven. I uh-huh. was real, maybe old, maybe young. I don't know. <laughs> Nobody um, knows. And you know the revolving door. Yeah. The like the one that moves automatically and doesn't. Oh, okay. Stop? Yeah. Like the really big one that's yeah. at the airport. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so the first time I went to the airport, my mother ran straight into it. <laughs> and now, whenever I see one of those doors or go to the airport, I just have a, a full picture of my mother right <laughs> right into oh, that revolving gosh. door. <laughs> oh, that's hysterical. Oh, man. I can't wait to meet your mom. She's just an angel. putting that out there. And she's like, we're at least in the same city. Like, you'll mm-hmm. be, you're gonna meet my mom when she gets here in a couple weeks. Oh, she will be here the labor, like the Labor Day weekend. Nice. Yeah. So she gets here that Saturday, and then she'll be here through Labor Day up until our like, you know, celebration wedding barbecue. Oh yeah. So of course. Yeah, her and her friend Nancy are How coming exciting. to visit. Yeah, I'm super excited. It'll be really fun because, like, you know, Danny and I will get to hang out with my mom mm-hmm. and Nancy, but also, like, my mom and Nancy can just kind of go on, like, adventure and do stuff, too, together. Yeah. So that'll be fun. Yeah. I, don't, I can't think of any, like, like, I don't know. My, my mom's a fucking hoot. She's, she, one of my favorite things is, like, when we were growing up, she, um, okay. Oh, here's a good one. Okay. So... On New Year's Eve, mm-hmm. and for Christmas and stuff, my mom would make homemade, like, Baileys, mm-hmm. and oh. it, it was real good. <laughs> she makes a good <laughs> bottle of Baileys. <laughs> but, like, my aunt and uncle would come over, and my grandma lived with us growing up, and, like, the neighbor from across the street, and her husband would come over, and so all of the, like, grown-ups would sit around the big dining room table and drink homemade Baileys and play card games. Nice. And I was like, oh, that's it's so fun. So that's one of my favorite memories. But one year, I was probably in, I don't know, 7th or 8th grade, and mm-hmm. I had two friends over. They were both boys. And they came over, and we're in one room playing on the computer, I think. Mm-hmm. And it, my my friend Riley burped pretty loud because he was a big football player yeah it was pretty loud but my mom from the other room yells (laughs) pig (laughs) (laughs) and three seconds later let out this earth shattering (laughs) belch and everyone was like oh my god (laughs) and so uh, that's a good, no, yeah, that one that's... sticks with me. Like, <laughs> pig. <laughs> <laughs> We're classy. I just, I just like the thought of her being like, child's play. And oh, then, you're right. <laughs> I'll show you what it's, what the real one this does. Is, this is how grown-ups do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. So anyway, that's, that's yeah, cool. my mama. She's a real class act. Well, hello. Oh, hello. Didn't see you there. <laughs> As this is not a visual medium. It is not. You're listening. Didn't, didn't uh, hear didn't you. Hear didn't you hear you come in. Tiptoe. Tiptoe. I'm Kiana. I'm Cassie. And this is uh, That Broad's Got Moxie. Mm-hmm. Hello. Hello. It's Saturday morning. <laughs> yep. I mean, it's not when you're listening to this. It's 
Whenever when, you want it's to. Whenever, you know. <laughs> but yeah, we're mm-hmm. recording. We just had waffles. Mm-hmm. And um, Cassie is now drinking this. I'm referring to myself <laughs> third in third person. person. <laughs> I'm having a lovely tequila. It's not a tequila sunset. Sun- sunrise. Yeah. It's got vodka. It's a screwdriver with grenadine. <laughs> <laughs> it's got, I have pretty ice cubes in it. <laughs> and I'm drinking kombucha. That's right. Because Kiana's not drinking coffee or booze this month. That's right. No, or eating cheese. Why. Or what? Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. I don't know how you're going to make it through the rest of this month. <laughs> I'm trying. Uh, it... She's cleansing without doing terrible yes. things to her body. Exactly. I'm getting myself off that caffeine addiction. Mm-hmm. Curbing it, even though kombucha does have caffeine in it. Oh, I didn't Not know that. Not nearly as much. It's black no. tea. Oh, that's true. It is. Alcohol, just because I feel like I've been drinking too much lately. <laughs> After Eggster, things <laughs> yeah, things got a little wild on Eggster. And, and I get hangover Days of Days hangover. long. Hang- and I'm allergic to wine and dark liquor already. And potentially allergic to maybe all liquors. And that's why I have such bad hangovers. Mm-hmm. But we got to get her real, real good distilled booze <laughs> And then cheese and dairy because it's real bad for allergies. And because the mm. season change. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Mm. Anyway. It's a sacrifice I'm on. Well, <laughs> Sage was eating a plate of nachos and I called him the rudest bastard in the world. <laughs> <laughs> fucking Sage. So like right in front of me, you're going to eat really? a plate of fucking really? nachos. What a dick. Disrespectful. <laughs> I'm moving out. <laughs> oh, man. I was going to tell you, so, what? I was going to say, we forgot, it's going to be Mother's Day. It's going to be Mother's Day in in a couple days. Mm-hmm. So, happy Mother's Day to all of you mothers and mm-hmm. stepmothers and grandmothers mm-hmm. and... Mother figures. Mo- mother figures, exactly. Mothers-to-be. Mm-hmm. You know, the mother of your, of your, you know... Baby. yes but also i was gonna say like we have family like when we have family dinners at our house Mm -hmm. it's you know it's me and danny and then like you and seth come over or Mm -hmm. like tyler and andrew come over and we have family dinners and i i really feel like i'm not a mom Mm -hmm. but i very much kind of feel like the mom you want a gift for mother's day (laughs) (laughs) that's secretly what i'm trying to tell everybody uh, dropping I, the hint. <laughs> I like lilies. <laughs> but yeah, like I very much feel like the mother figure mm-hmm. because everybody comes over and I feed everybody and, you know, yeah. it's just, that's what I do. Yeah. Oh yeah. So I was just going to tell you, I, uh-oh, Danny's breaking out the whiteboard. Oh. And pet moms. Pet moms. If you're a cat foster mom. Foster mothers. Foster mothers. Adoptive oh, mothers. There's so many. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Danny and I are cat moms, and da- and Keeks is a is a dog mom. I'm a rat mom, and a rat mom. Mm-hmm. That's right. Two. What's his name? My dog. No, you or can't. Your rat. My rats. Yeah, rats. They have to be. So- they are social creatures. They have they to. They be. have to have more than one. I have Rigby. Uh huh. I like that one. I have Tran. Cute. After the old man in New Girl. Oh, okay. And I have Usnavi. Usnavi, that's yeah. right. <laughs> I remember when you told me that. I was like, oh, that's so cute. I get yeah. the reference, too. 
in the heights in the heights if anybody doesn't know there's mm-hmm. a part in it where he goes good morning Usnavi," and i say that to the rat <laughs> only he gets a good morning <laughs> he's the only one yeah everyone else you're like what's up <laughs> yeah yeah were you gonna say something oh i was i was just gonna tell you about the um the liquor that i bought that I wanted to mention. I saw um, it. So when we went to Eggster, the crew stopped at the liquor store on the way there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, got, like, vodka or whatever. And then Danny found this bottle of Irish whiskey that's called Hellcat Maggie. And for anybody who doesn't know, Hellcat Maggie was part of the, oh gosh, the Something Rabbits gang. From, like, the gangs of New York. Mm-hmm. Like, late 1800s, turn of the century. Yeah. She's apparently in the movie Gangs of New York, which I have not seen in a long time. Yeah, neither have I. But she, like, ooh, she was great. She, <laughs> like, filed her teeth to points. Yeah. And wore, like, <laughs> brass, like, these brass claws mm-hmm. on her fingertips so that she could, like scratch people and claw at them when she was fighting. And I was just like, oh shit, she's a badass. <laughs> you know you know those kids on the playground when you were younger who used to like pretend to be cats? Sure. She just never grew out of it. She never grew no. She just doubled down. <laughs> she doubled down hard. Like people try to make fun of her, but she's like, this is my truth. Watch me file my teeth. Exactly. <laughs> she's so, yeah, she's, she's so scary. And like, oh, I don't want to encounter her. But yeah, I mean, I am going to watch Games of New York because, well, I just, apparently it's a really, really good movie. It's but, long. Um, it was, if I remember it's like correctly. a three hour yeah. movie. Oh, this is an investment. Yeah. I'd rather watch Trolls twice. Because <laughs> <laughs> I know all the words. <laughs> that, okay. I'm a fucking grown up. <laughs> Um, that's should, all. <laughs> yeah. Should we get started? Yeah, let's. I jump got. In. I got kind of a long one. I've been. Pre- <laughs> okay. I, <guys>. Yeah. <laughs> Kiana told me the other day. She this, can this, I? <laughs> yes. Please. We please were go at, ahead. we were at work, and she asked me, like, "Hey, because I get there later than everybody," mm-hmm. and she's like, "Hey, Kiana, what you've been doing all day?" And I was like, "Well, I've been crying in my room." <laughs> Yeah, because this yeah. case gets me. Yeah, Keeks is like, oh, it's a, oh, it's a real downer. And mm. I was like, oh, shit. I tried to, I very briefly tried to convince Danny yesterday to be like, who's she doing? <laughs> what kind of tragedy do I need to, like, be in for here? Because I'm a wash rag. I, I have mm-hmm. a, I have a little pre, pre-paragraph getting into my story. Okay. All right. Oh, Danny's got something to say. It's episode 14. Yeah. She spilled it over. Oh. Oh. Okay, well. JK. Oh, that's right. We talked about that. We talked about this You said I was going. Oh, no, you're right. I have to go first because I'm Uh, not going to want to fucking follow your giant bummer of a story. uh, We lied, everybody. Cassie's going first. (laughs) Sorry to build you up. Okay. (laughs) Wait, well, we'll get. You, listen. (laughs) Listen. (laughs) 
the, we're doing it. <laughs> Who are you doing today? <laughs> I was so prepared to just like, what just happened? Oh, it's your marker. No, it was her whiteboard. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) I thought the cat was in here. I was like, God damn it, Nugget, not again. Okay. Okay. So. So. What are you doing? I uh, am talking about Asima Chatterjee. Never heard of of this Okay. So. She is sorry, Asima. Asima, Chatterjee. Chatterjee. Okay, Mm -hmm. it's like how you say strategy. Yeah, thanks for that. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for pointing that out, Kiana. (laughs) No problem. Rude. Okay, so she is one of India's first women in STEM. Keep going. Okay, keep going. I (laughs) think I knew. I think I know who this is. And she was also the first Indian woman to earn a doctorate in science from an Indian university. Okay. Okay. So, let's just jump right in here. Asima Mukherjee was born on September 23rd, 1917 in West Bengal, which is now known as Calcutta. Not Calcutta. It's like K-O-L-K-A-T-A. So it's like Kolkata. Okay. In India. Her mother, Kamala Devi, was a homemaker, and her father, Indra Narayan Mukherjee, was a surgeon and an amateur botanist. Hmm. Because of her father, she became very interested in plants and how they could be used to help people. Because Eastern medicine is a thing. Growing up in a middle-class family, she was encouraged to seek higher education, although it was unusual for women at the time, especially in the sciences. Yeah. So, you're going to college, very unusual to go for science or botany mm-hmm. or any of these things. I was like, oh, you can be a teacher yeah. if you want. Literature. Literature. All those dainty feminine things. Mm-hmm. You know. <laughs> <laughs> So being a woman in a predominantly male field, she faced much sexism and misogyny. Surprise. So weird. <laughs> I never would have guessed. Not to mention the labs where she studied were inadequately equipped and very short on funding. Okay. So despite the resistance and discrimination, Asima graduated with honors from the University of Calcutta in 1936. She then went on to complete a master's degree in 1938 and a doctoral degree in organic chemistry in 1944. Hell yeah. So, this being said, she became the first Indian woman to earn a doctorate of science from an Indian university. So, there are a couple articles that I, you know, read, and in one article from thebetterindia.com. She's the... <laughs> it's just a, like the better India. The, right? <laughs> it, was like, it, was, it was really good. It's it like was India, like, but... The better one. The better one. <laughs> There's two of them. <laughs> oh, I live in the United States. The United States or the better United <laughs> States? <laughs> we will find out in 2020. <laughs> Oh, no. Uh, (laughs) Where was... Okay. So, 
she's the second woman from India. She's mm-hmm. the second Indian woman to earn a doctorate in science. Ever? Ever. The so Asima mm-hmm. the first one to get to get a doctorate of science from an Indian university and there's another woman named Janaki Amal mm-hmm. and she was the first Indian woman to get a doctorate in science. However, uh, Janaki received her doctorate from the University in Michigan. Oh. University of Michigan, excuse me, in 1931. So, okay. you know, a decade-ish mm-hmm. before Asima did. And they both studied, like, organic chemistry and plants and stuff. And I thought that was really interesting. So, her doctoral research... Asima's doctoral research primarily focused on the medicinal properties of native Indian plants. So, while working on her doctorate, she gained research experience from the University of Wisconsin-Madison... And also hey. Caltech. Didn't, um... Madison is not... My friend Madison is not named after the city. She's no. made that very clear. <laughs> she was like, she went, look. She went to, I believe, University of Wisconsin, Milwaukee. Oh. Yeah. Madison is not named after the city. Madison is named after a little girl at, her, at a baseball game that was being beckoned by... Her, her mom was at the baseball game. She's pregnant. Mm-hmm. She heard another mother yelling, Madison, come here. She's like, that's good. That's good. And so now like Maddie was born. Oh, how cute. I can't wait to meet Maddie, by the way. Maddie, very excited to meet you. She's going to live here. Yay! <laughs> ah! She's going to be another female energy in the Alamo. Yeah. Thank God. Much needed. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, let's see. Where was I? Caltech. Caltech. Okay. And then in 1945, uh, she married her husband. Oh boy. He's got a name. He's a doctor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it's Dr. Baradananda. Okay. Bar- Baradananda. Mm-hmm. Yes. Chatterjee. He's a physical chemist. Mm-hmm. And then shortly after they got married, they had a daughter named Julie. Okay. So, over the next several decades of her life, Asima's research resulted in the discovery of anti-convulsive, anti-malarial, and chemotherapy drugs. Oh. So, I Three heavy hitters. (laughs) Three heavy hitters, yeah, which is really... I I found this very interesting because Eastern Eastern medicine Mm -hmm. and, um, like, kind of naturopathy mm-hmm. is I'm very interested in it. I think Western medicine is great. It has clearly done a lot of things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, vaccinate your kids. Vaccinate your children. But also being able to utilize things from the earth mm-hmm. to treat things and to, you know, heal what ails you, yeah. I think is really, really interesting. Yeah, it definitely is. So I have a bunch of, like, the technical name like the scientific names for mm-hmm. these plants go but, ahead and give it a try okay we all know all how right. good we are with names it's true we're great at it <laughs> and saying things <laughs> okay so from the plant marsalea minuta okay. that one's the easiest one i think okay uh which is a dwarf water clover 
And remember, these are all indigenous plants mm-hmm. to Southeast Asia and India. She successfully developed an anti-epileptic drug. So this drug is called Ayush 56. And then the vel- the development of some several anti-malarial drugs were made possible by the phytochemicals, big word, in the plants. Okay, here we go. This one is called Alstonia scolaris. Okay. The common name is a blackboard tree, which I think is a fun okay. name. Yeah, get it? Scolaris. I like... was trying to think what a blackboard was. <laughs> oh my god! Sounds like a blackboard is something. A chalkboard. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. I grew up with whiteboards. With whiteboards. Overhead. Uh huh. Projectors. Projectors and smartboards. I don't know what a smartboard is. It's basically a touchscreen computer. I can't. That's... Holy cow! Yeah. Boy, we came from different. <laughs> We came from different places, Danny. Different times. Danny's face. <laughs> Danny just looked at Kiana like she's from the future. Yeah, they stopped using overhead projectors when I was in, like sixth grade. I can't. All right, we're moving on. A flower called Swersha chirata, which just goes by Swersha. It's a purple flower. It's real pretty. And then Picoriza karua. And the common name is kutki. Hmm. It's an herb with intense blue flowers. So it's like chamomile, only more sassy. <laughs> <laughs> and then the last one is called Kesalpinia uh, crista. Okay. And that is commonly called squirrel's claws. <laughs> That was okay. really funny. I was like, how big do they think squirrel claws are? Because I think they're pretty tiny. Do they have squirrels? In India? Yeah, they have giant squirrels. Like, they're called, like, giant Indian squirrels, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and they're huge. They are. They're like they're like a small dog or like, uh, yeah. like a raccoon size. Yuck. They're really cute, though. I imagine. Yuck. <laughs> no, no, no. So anyway, that, the squirrel's claws is, I looked, and it's a shrub, and it has bright yellow flower cl- clusters. Hmm. Kind of like Oregon grape, but okay. different. Oh, they got long-ass tails. They got long-ass tails, and they're really big. They're like a cat. I I need, like, a, a scale. A scale photo. There's a really good photo. Got a dumb face, and I like that. <laughs> Oh, ew, it's on somebody's shoulder. Yes, that's the one. I was was like, there's a photo of it on somebody's shoulder, and you can tell just how massive this thing is. Where am I? Okay, so, these anti-malarial drugs Mm -hmm. came from using all those different plants Mm -hmm. to fight malaria. Yay! (laughs) And then Asima also chemically analyzed coumarins, which come from the bayal tree. And she discovered that the fruits and bark of this tree could treat a variety of gastrointestinal disorders. That's really cool. Like, yeah. How do you look at a plant mm. and be like, I f- I'm going to fuck it. Like, fuck with it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Kiana. <laughs> Maybe you can answer that question. How do you look at a plant? <laughs> 
boy. Jeez. We gotta get all the laughs in now because the end of this episode is <laughs> Damn. everyone's gonna be in tears. How do you say? How do you, you hold? Rewind. Okay, give me. How do you look at a plant and think that's gonna help malaria? I don't know. I, it blows my... There are lots of things in this world that blow my mind. Like wormholes and the Don't black hole. Stop it. You can't. <laughs> it, all of it is just... Anyway. So, gastrointestinal disorders. Yay. But her most outstanding contribution was her work on what are called vinca alkaloids. So, vinca alkaloids come from the Madagascar periwinkle plant. Oh. A little little pink flowers. And they are a type of drug that blocks cell growth by stopping mitosis. Just cell division, mm-hmm. in case anybody didn't know. Mm-hmm. I had to Google it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, mitosis, I know that word. What does it mean again? So anyway, these vinca alkaloids, like, are you, they're used today. Mm-hmm. They're, they're still used all over. So they're used in chemotherapy to assist in slowing down and or stopping cancer cells from duplicating. Yeah. Again, blew my mind. Fantastic. What, how do you look at a flower and go, I bet I can stop cancer cells from growing with this. (laughs) Like, what? It's, it's, I don't know. My brain just doesn't work like that. Women in STEM, you're goddamn heroes. This is, it's incredible. Killing it in the game. Mm hundred percent my brain does not work <laughs> in in like it it just i can't even fathom i those can't things. either our colleen who just was in scotland with us getting married mm-hmm. not to us but was there to see us get married <laughs> she's an in she's a civil engineer she knows how to build bridges remember when we talked about oh. that she could answer our question she could yeah i'm gonna have to email her and be like how briefly explain <laughs> to a layman how a bridge gets built. Yeah. So, and her her brain works in a way that I can't even imagine mine working. Yeah, that's that's not me. They're fucking changing the world. That's not my journey. No. That's their journey, and mm-hmm. I appreciate that. I like musical theater. Hell yeah. And art. <laughs> <laughs> Other forms of art. Yeah, exactly. I, I like being a huge downer. And just reminding everybody that, you know, wars happen. Oh, no. God, I am deeply, deeply. It's all I learned in school. Oh, it's going to hurt. I'm going to cry. I just want everybody to be aware. Everybody don't go to college for international studies. Don't do it. Because it's just going to be downer after downer after downer. Racism's bad. Here's examples. That's bad. Think about sexism. Uh Oh, they intersect. Now look at this world war. Now look at this civil war. Now look at this low-key war. Remember the Cold War? (laughs) I feel like you need to write some slam. (laughs) You need to write some slam poetry about... Oh my gosh, guys. Side note. At... Okay. I'm gonna just get real, real for a second. Hold on. I need to put my papers down. So at this fucking eggster party that we went to, mm-hmm. 
which I know everybody is like listening to this being like, I thought Inkster Party was a long time ago, ago. And you just you guys just got married. Look, we're our recording schedule's weird. <laughs> we're somewhere on the time space continuum. We're time jumping constantly. <laughs> so anyway, at this Eggster party, there was an Easter egg hunt. Once you found the eggs, there were like QR codes in it that you then scanned and it unlocked certain things like new playlists would would happen or mm-hmm. like the lights would change colors mm-hmm. when or they would do there would be performance art mm-hmm. <laughs> because you guys came late yeah but when people walked in there was nothing the lights were normal there was no food <laughs> there was no alcohol or there was alcohol okay but like there was nothing and we started the easter egg hunt to unlock the party it was Oh, gosh, it was so good. Needless, all of this is to say, someone found an egg, scanned the QR code that cued Kiana's slam poetry, and she came out with a fucking beret, and people snapped, and she gave us some slam poetry. What was it called? Fuck you, I'm an egg. That's right. (laughs) And it was incredible and it was sexy and she just nailed it i really think we need to maybe do a performance of it and put it up if put it on our patreon if oh my gosh yes (laughs) guys it's gonna be on the patreon which we're getting all situated as we speak this fucking slam poetry she's gonna wear her beret (laughs) oh we're gonna record me oh yeah (laughs) Oh, yeah. This okay. is going to... Because it was, it was visceral. <laughs> it was... I wish I had bongos when, when she did it. That is all to say. Go check out our Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> and the Alamo knows how to throw a fucking party. All right. Okay. Let's get back on to... Fucking schedule, Let's so we can get to this to your shit show. Thank you. <sighs> so, throughout her career, Asima made many significant contributions to science and education, and I'm just gonna name some. Okay. So, Asima joined the Lady Brayborn College at the Calcutta University in 1940 uh, while working on her doctorate, and in fact, founded the Department of Chemistry. Oh. At the university. Then, in 1954, she was appointed reader in the Department of Pure Chemistry. And from what I could gather, was that was a very, very high honor. <laughs> <laughs> it's not very... I believe dis- you. Okay. Uh, she published over fo- over 400 papers. Oh, my God. In national and international journals, as well as many review articles in Mm -hmm. lots and lots of science journals. Her achievements won her many prestigious accolades, including the Shanti Swarup Bhatnagar Award in 1961. She was the first female recipient of the country's most prestigious science award. Mm. Yeah. In fact, it took over 14 years for another woman to win the same prize. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. And then in 1975, she was 
she was given the honor of the Padma Busan, and that's one of the highest civilian awards bestowed by the Indian government. Okay. Yeah. So she was elected as the general president of the Indian Science Congress Association in 1975. She was the first woman scientist to be elected to the organization. Dang. Breaking barriers. Breaking, yeah. Like, kicking down walls. And just, (laughs) I was like, what's another word for barriers? (laughs) Mm, Wall. (laughs) And then, from 1962 to 1982, she was the Kara Professor of Chemistry, one of the most prestigious and coveted chairs at the University of Calcutta. And... She was the first woman scientist to have a chair on and of any university of India. Mm-hmm. So really coming in and just kicking ass and taking names. Asima's contributions to the world did not end in the research lab. She was also a devoted daughter, sister, wife, mother, and grandmother. Family was very important to her life, and with her help, with their help, she was able to dedicate the time and energy to her to her work in science. This woman woke up early to take care of all the chores around the house and cook breakfast for everyone before going to work at the university. Oh my god! I that's <laughs> <laughs> Kiana showed up and I was swiffering and I had not made <laughs> breakfast yet. This woman really, yeah, just, she was, she was a homemaker and a mother and did all of those quote unquote wifely duties. Mm -hmm. And then. It was also a barrier breaker. Yeah. Wall kicker. Wall kicker. (laughs) (laughs) Um, She had a very solid foundation, a plan for action in her life. However, she hit a major rough spot and suffered greatly because of it. In 1967, Asima's father passed away, whom she was very, very close to. And then just four months later, her husband died very unexpectedly. Oh. Yeah. The distress and grief proved too much, and she suffered a massive heart attack at the university's College of Science. Oh. Um, so then she was hospitalized, and she was in a critical state for a long time. She lingered between life and death for days. It took nearly three months for her to recover physically, but she still had, you know, a lot of emotional healing mm-hmm. um, to do. And it was through the influence and affection of the late Swami... Oh, boy. Here we go. <laughs> I gotta stretch out for this one. Abhaya Nandaji. Oh, that was not that bad. Abhaya... <laughs> oh, boy. I, I did it, and then I got cocky. <laughs> Abhaya Andaji mm-hmm. Maharaj of the Ramakrishna Math and Mission. So, it's a, he's a Swami. Yeah. A, a, you know, a religious leader. And she, re, you know, he helped her regain her mental strength. The love and affection of her students, colleagues, staff members, and the rest of her family helped in bringing her back 
to normal life. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. She, uh, Professor Chatterjee's rise to prominence was made possible by her commitment to duty, hard work, and a constant thirst for knowledge. She said, I wish to work as long as I live. And she pretty much did. Uh, she was always learning from those around her and from her own musings well into a, her old age. She died in her nursing home on November 22nd, 2006 at the age of 90. Oh. Yeah. She was Long a life. true karma yogi and she believed in carrying out her duties and her responsibilities without aspiring for the results and rewards. She opened the doors for millions of women to excel in STEM fields and her groundbreaking research is helping treat cancer patients to this day. Oh, my God. Yeah. I didn't know chemo was, or a version of chemotherapy was a lady. Was was a lady and came from plants. And yeah. came from her going, I wonder what this does. I wonder what this fucking flower do. <laughs> <laughs> her own words. to go. <laughs> That's exactly. That's a direct quote, actually. How did you know? I'm just really smart. <laughs> you read it in a book. <laughs> oh, that was so good. Thank you. I was... So, some the way that Kiana does this is she looks at a map mm-hmm. and finds a country and then goes, top ten women from this country. Mm-hmm. Um, I, for this one, I very specifically wanted to do a woman in, in STEM because mm. I was inspired... Again, we're jumping around yeah. in the spice time space continuum. <laughs> Hold on, let me say that again. <laughs> we're jumping around in the time space continuum while we are recording today. Mm-hmm. Just a couple days ago, that brilliant twenty-nine-year-old Katie Bowman, Katie Bowman's work on the black hole project. Mm-hmm. She helped make that fucking crazy-ass mind-blowing picture happen. Mm-hmm. Major props to her because that's absolutely incredible. Yeah. And the rest of her team. <laughs> but let, yeah. let's give her a shout out by name. Yeah. Because, well, women get steamrolled far too often. Yeah. But anyway, that happened just a couple days ago and I was like, I'm doing a scientist. That's awesome. So, yeah. All right. Oh, boy. Okay. So. Because it's Mother's Day on Sunday, mm-hmm. I wanted to cover Abroad with Moxie that was also a mother. Originally, I was going to do a lady who was, in fact, a very bad mother, but... <laughs> but I'm glad you didn't. <laughs> then I decided, like, mm, empowerment's better. <laughs> I'm going to do her at a... La- I'm going to do the other lady at a later date, but focus... Lo- oh, I just punched the table thing. Oh, for um, sake. But focus less on... Uh, her bad mothering. Okay. Yeah. That being said, this week we'll, we will be hearing about Mamie Till Mobley. Now, pre-warning, her story has to do with discrimination, lynching, and a gross misservice of justice. Mm. So it's going to be very sad. And I might cry. because <laughs> I'm going to. <laughs> this story gets to me a lot. And like, maybe, maybe I, I'm, I'm like overstating it right now. But very specifically, if the name Till comes to mind. It's because her son was Emmett Till, mm. the 14-year-old. Yep. Oh, um, boy. Who was killed in the South, and so we're gonna cover that. My sources today is her book and memoir, who was written with 
another guy because I think she dictated it. Mm. But I forgot to write down his name. But it's called Death of Innocence. PBS's American Experience entry on Mamie Till Mobley. Um, an article called Emmett Till's Mother Opened His Casket and Sparked the Civil Rights Movement by Denine L. Brown. And uh, Wikipedia. And a video called The Body of Emmett Till by Time. Mm-hmm. Which was very good, and it connects the imagery of this case mm-hmm. with what we're seeing now in terms of, like, unarmed mm-hmm. people being shot by police officers. Mm-hmm. And um, it's very good and very powerful, very graphic. So noted. do that at your own pace. And I did try to stick in as many gems in here. <laughs> so let's get started. Yay! <laughs> Mamie Till Mobley was born November 23rd, 1921 in Webb, Mississippi, to John and Alma Carthen. After her birth, her father had made plans to leave Mississippi and head north to Illinois during the period of the Great Migration. Oh, okay. Which you covered. Yes. A few episodes back now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He settled down in Argo, Illinois, in a predominantly black neighborhood, and three years later, Mamie and her mother moved there as well to be with him. Although they now lived in the North, Mamie and her mother would go back to Mississippi every summer to spend time with her family over there. Hmm. So, she was very much experiencing North and Southern forms of racism. Because the North is not... Oh, yeah. Is not not racist. (laughs) (laughs) So, at the age of 13, her parents divorced, and to cope... And kind of avoid dealing with the sadness of her parents splitting up, she threw herself into schoolwork. At this point in time, women rarely graduated high school. Mm. And so, because they usually got married and had kids. Yeah. But Mamie's parents encouraged her to continue her her schooling before settling down. And because of this, she was the first black student to make the A honor roll at her school and the fourth black student to graduate ever. Wow. From Argo Community, Uh but not ever, but Argo Community High School. Not damn. Good for you. Yes. Good for her. Yep. Thank you for me personally. (laughs) (laughs) After she graduated at the age of 18, she met a young dapper man named Louis Till. He worked at the Argo Corn Company, was an amateur boxer, and had an eye for Mamie. Oh. (laughs) He had then begun to court her. And had taken her to get her first ever banana split. (gasps) Oh, how cute! (laughs) In her book, Death of Innocence, she recalled this moment Mm -hmm. and was insulted when he asked her to get a banana split because she thought she was good enough to have a whole banana herself. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love that. You tell him, Mamie. You get that whole banana girl. <laughs> right. I just I just love that idea of like I'm not splitting a banana no. with you. <laughs> you get get your own banana. So and Louie had won Mamie's heart in October fourteenth, nineteen forty. They got married. Uh not a very happy marriage. We'll get to that. Crap. They um, never are. <laughs> Uh, In 1941, just nine months after their marriage, Mamie gave birth to her son, Emmett Till, who was nicknamed Bobo. Oh, Yeah. That's cute. At the age of five, Emmett had suffered from a mild bout of polio, 
after which he began to speak with a mild stutter and a lisp, mm-hmm. which will come up later. Okay. Um, but other than that, he was growing up to be healthy and happy and was deeply loved by his mother. Uh, he wouldn't get to know his father, though, for two reasons. Oh, boy. All right. Uh, here they Lay come. on me. Firstly, in 1942, Mamie and Louis split. Why? Because he was a cheating, abusive gambling addict. Jeez. What a dick. The straw that broke the camel's back that had led to the separation was when he literally choked Mamie Mm. to the point of her passing out. When she woke up, she didn't know how long it had been, but knew he was gone and was probably going to come back. So. Oh, shit, girl. What she did. (laughs) I'm I'm ready. I'm ready. I very much enjoyed this. She got a pot of boiling water boiling on the stove and she put a fireplace poker in the fireplace and began to heat it up just in case when he came back she was scared Mm -hmm. threw the pot of water on him and was ready to fuck shit up with the fire poker if he came inside (laughs) but he never did and he literally ran away to her mother's house to tell to tell on her oh my gosh her mother called and was like um you burned your husband. <laughs> What's what happened? And she was like, "Well, mom, he choked me out." And she was like, "Oh, okay." And called the police on him. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Uh, he wasn't arrested because when the, well, the police came and they were like, "I think, I think she did enough to punish <laughs> you," because he was burned. Like, oh they, gosh. It, her mother was taking off his shirt, mm-hmm. and his skin was sticking to the shirt. Ooh. Oh, God, that makes me so uncomfortable. (laughs) So, but he was not arrested, but he was kicked out. And with no place to go, he later joined the military. Get on Um, out of here. Right. Which leads me to the second reason why Emmett never met his father. He was sent to Europe as an army private. And three years later, Mamie received a letter from the Department of Defense informing her without a full explanation, which also bookmarked this part, that Till was killed in Italy due to, quote, willful misconduct. Oh. So he was officially out of their lives at that point. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you can't be in somebody's life if you're dead. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. <laughs> so Emmett never met his father. He was, like, barely a few months old when he had originally left. Mm-hmm. Keep that in mind. Okay. In the early 1950s, Mamie and Emmett's life was changing pretty rapidly. Both her parents had remarried and left Argo, and they, and Mamie and Emmett had also left Argo and were now living in Chicago's south side. Okay. Mamie met another man named Gene Pink Bradley. Pink in quotation marks, that's what they called him. Oh. <laughs> they didn't, like, that's, that's not a funny middle name. <laughs> that's not a middle name. Who were together for two years, but uh, got a divorce later. In 1955, Mamie decided to take a long-awaited vacation to Nebraska to visit her relatives. Hmm. Uh, She wanted her son to go with her, but Emmett was set on joining his cousins and spending the end of the summer in Mississippi. Something that she had done, she had spent all her summers in Mississippi and was, he had also spent a lot of summers in Mississippi, but this would be the first time for him to go alone Mm -hmm. without her. Mm -hmm. This was the first trip by himself. And when she put her son on a southbound train, it was the last time she would see him alive. Oh God, here it comes. Yeah. Uh-uh. Emmett was, sorry, <laughs> Emmett was 14 years old, and 
I'm laugh crying right now. <laughs> so, I, what me laughing right now is because I'm like, get your shit together, Kiana. Not because I'm like, ha ha, this is so funny. Yeah, no. With you. Um, I just think, okay, this is a very important story and important to tell and that's why I'm telling it. And one of the, she's, I told you this, Cassie, but one of the reasons why I wanted to start this podcast was Mamie's story. Yeah. So, this was going to happen at some point, and it's better to happen now. (laughs) Okay. Okay. He was with his family in Money, Mississippi on August 24th, 1955, when he went into a store and interacted with a white cashier named Carolyn Bryant Donham. What happened in the store is unclear, but according... This will get you angry. Okay. According to Caroline, that day, Emmett Wolf whistled at her. A few days later, after her husband w- was arrested, which we'll get into later, she she then said that Emmett didn't whistle, he actually just insulted her. At the trial for Emmett's murder, she testified in court that he grabbed her hand, and when she pulled away, he went behind the counter, grabbed her waist, and used vulgar language with her. Five decades later, to the FBI, she recanted that statement mm-hmm. and said that he had just touched her hand from the other side of the counter. Uh-huh. And more recently, like in the last two years, she has come out and said that she was lying and that he just whistled at her, but she can't remember it very mm-hmm. well now because she's like 80. Uh-huh. That being said, the even the like whistling, which was mm-hmm. the original story... Mm-hmm. Was probably due to the fact that Emmett had a lisp. Yeah. From his polio. Yep. And so it was just probably a misunderstanding uh-huh. of when he was asking for... He was there for candy. Uh-huh. That it came out and... Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyways. Following whatever happened in that store, four days later, Emmett was taken from his relative's house because of it. Roy Bryant, and Car- who was Caroline's husband, mm-hmm. and J.W. Milham... Roy's half-brother, actually came and knocked on the door and were like, give give me Emmett. Ugh. And so there's, like, no doubt that it was them. And we'll, I'll further explain that. Yeah. But they kidnapped him, tortured him, and shot him in the head. Three days later, he was... He was found in a river, weighed down by his... Sorry? He was found in a river, weighed down by a 75-pound cotton gin fan (gasps) that was wrapped around his neck with barbed wire. Jesus Christ. He was so badly disfigured that they could only identify him by a ring that he had been wearing. Good. Oh, my God. Yeah. (laughs) Talk about the worst fucking thing. He was 14. He He was a baby. Yeah. We know 14-year-olds. Oh, God. All right, here we go. More drinking. <laughs> okay. When Emmett was kidnapped, Mamie was called, and from another state, she was helpless and just had to wait for any news regarding her son. She had been sending money and making phone calls to her, to whoever she could, but three days later, she had received the news that he was dead. When she found out about his death, she turned to her to the strength of her family and faith. Quote, when I began to make the announcement that Emmett had been found and how he was found, the whole house began to scream and to cry. And that's when I realized I wouldn't get any help carrying this load. 
Now coping with her son's murder, Mamie only wanted to see and bury her son. However, the county sheriff had called a black undertaker and told him to immediately bury the body so no one else would see it and see what happened to him. Mm -hmm. Mamie and her relatives then began making more phone calls to whoever would help her get her son home to Chicago. They reached a funeral home director who told her that she would have to pay $3,300 to get Emmett back. And this was her out annual salary at the time. That was, that's so... In ni- <laughs> 1955? Yeah. That's <clears throat> so much money. But she was able to basically crowdsource. Mm-hmm. Um, his body arrived by train, but the stipulation to her receiving the body was that the casket could not be opened. Um, and he had to be buried immediately. Fuck that shit. Yeah. Well, that's what she said. She then said that if she would have to get a hammer and open it herself, she would. And so the funeral director relented and opened it for her. If you look up this case, don't look up (laughs) the picture Mm -mm. or do. But anyways, she was so overwhelmed seeing her son's disfigured body, but remained stable and then decided at that moment he would have an open casket funeral. Wow. Quote, I think everybody needed to know what had happened to Emmett Till. And what's important about this specific case is that this wasn't like a, oh, this happened once. Mm -hmm. This lynching was a systemic thing that was happening all over America and is still, there are still cases of it today. It hasn't stopped. But she was the first person to say, you're going to see the victim of a lynching incident. Around 50,000 people streamed in to view Emmett's corpse in Chicago, with many people leaving in tears or fainting at the sight and smell of the body. So people described it as he was missing an ear, his teeth were missing, you couldn't really tell he had eyes. It was bad. The, 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 just the most graphic. Yeah. Like, I want, everybody needs to see what happened. Mm -hmm. This was not just, this was overkill and fucking then some yeah sorry i touched cassie's foot with my foot the chicago defender one of the country's leading black newspapers and several other national publications ran the story of emmett till and the pictures of his body which caused an international firestorm the firestorm was only stoked when in the murder murder trial of emmett till roy bryant and jw millam were acquitted (gasps) by an all-white jury after a five-day trial and a 67-minute deliberation. No. Oh, my fucking God. One juror said, if we hadn't stopped to drink pop, it wouldn't have taken that long. I want to scream. Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh. Mamie and other black leaders hoped to get them on kidnapping charges Mm -hmm. so they would face some kind of justice. However, weeks before the grand jury met, Mississippi Senator James O. Eastland, a staunch segregationist and plantation owner, dug up information on Louis Till's past, the father that Emmett had never met. So, it turns out that the willful misconduct charge that he was charged with Mm -hmm. was for raping two Italian women and killing a third. Oh. And he was executed in Italy. When this news came to light, she asked the government, the federal government, how a senator, but not the widow, could receive this information. 
However, that question was never answered. And with Louis' atrocities exposed, the insinuation now was that Emmett's behavior ran in the family. And on November 9th, 1955, a Mississippi grand jury refused to indict Millam and Bryant on the kidnapping charges. I don't have words. And they had admitted to kidnapping him in the murder trial. Oh, so it's gosh. on record. But now both men were free. The outrage was further pushed when only months later, in an interview with Look Magazine in 1956... Protected by a double jeopardy, mm-hmm. oh. admitted to killing Emmett Till, and they received three thousand dollars for their story. I can't deal with which, this. Which was three hundred dollars less than what she had to pay to get her son back to Chicago. Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> I literally don't have words right now. Yeah. Ugh. Sorry if anybody came here for comedy. (laughs) Okay. Mamie turned to the federal government for help, but received nothing at all. She tried to meet with President Dwight Eisenhower, but he refused. Mm -hmm. And the FBI director, J. Edgar Hoover, wrote in a memo, There has been no allegation made that the victim, Emmett Till, has been subjected to the the deprivation of any right or privilege which is secured and protected by the Constitution and the laws of the United States. Receiving no help from them, Mamie took her fight to the people and became an activist. She gave speeches to overflowing crowds across the country and... African Americans were angered by Emmett Till's killing and the injustice, injustice, and moved by the loss of an only child to a young mother. Those in the trenches of the civil rights movement realized they had to move their fight boldly to the front lines. Membership in the NAACP soared. Later that year, Rosa Parks refused to give up her seat to a white passenger on the Montgomery City bus, and. Soon after that, a 26-year-old minister, Martin Luther King Jr., called for a citywide bus boycott. Mm-hmm. And the, from this, the civil rights movement was officially born. Wow. Mamie's activism extended far beyond what she did in regards to her son's death. However, since her son's death became symbolic for many of the lynchings going on in the South during the mid-1950s, some history books only reference her in relation to him. Following Emmett's death, she continued working as an activist, with, but was largely centered around education. She spent 23 years in teaching the Chicago public school system and also established a group called the Emmett Till Players, which worked with school children outside of the classroom where they learned and performed speeches by famous civil rights leaders like Martin Luther King, and they're still active today. She was frequently interviewed for documentary films and began working on a book which was later published after she died, which is The Death of Innocence. Mamie was able to use her role as a mother to relate to other people and gain support for her cause of racial justice. A few years after Emmett's death, many female activists united around motherhood and defending children in a similar fashion, and this unifying force gave way for the women's movement in the 1960s and 70s. Mamie married again 
to a man named Gene Mobley, and they were happily married until Gene's death from his stroke in 1999, and Mamie died of heart failure in 2003 at age 81. She's buried near her son, and where her, mo- where her monu- monument stands, it reads, Her Pain United a Nation. Ugh. Okay, I'm going to end on a quote. Okay. The brutal murder of Emmett Till sparked the civil rights movement, but only because Mamie Till Mobley had the tenacious courage to insist that her son's, her son's story be told to the world. She spoke out against injustice, making sure that her only child's death will never be forgotten. Her fierce bravery will always serve as a beacon of hope to those who strive for peace and harmony. And that's Mamie Till. Ugh. Wow. Yeah. I sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's the saddest and most infuriating story. It really is. Because I... nobody's nobody's there was no justice at there, all. No. For the one of the most brutal murders against a 14-year-old. Again, yeah. Yeah. The sheer amount of violence in that story for what was most likely a miscommunication or a mm-hmm. misunderstanding. Mm-hmm. It's it's just the most upsetting. Yeah. Ugh. She's incredible. Yeah. She's, what what a woman. I her I mean her choice to have the open casket was really that's th- the it was the catalyst for the civil rights movement. Yeah. And what a I mean to what a hard I can't even like make words happen right now. <laughs> what a decision to make. Mhm. You know, to not only to not only give everything she possibly had or could mm-hmm. round up to bring him back to Illinois and then to say, you know what, if I have to hammer this fucking thing open, I will. Mm-hmm. And then to, to be so courageous to say, everybody needs to see this because it is 100% unacceptable. It's the most terrible thing that that any person, especially a mother, mm-hmm. to have to to have to make mm-hmm. that choice, and then and then to just and they slandered her son after he had died because they were like, well, yeah. fa- his oh father, gosh. who he never met, was a rapist and a murderer. Yeah, that's not his fucking fault. Oh my gosh. I didn't I knew I knew he was murdered. I did not know to I didn't know how old he was. I didn't know the severity and the fucked upness of mm-hmm. all of it. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Well, and once again, I'm a huge fucking downer. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> It's just so important. Oh, it's so right. important, and I'm so glad you told that story, because I think there's a lot of people, including myself, up until just fucking now, mm-hmm. who don't know anything about that. Mm-hmm. And there's lots of people, I think, that at, this, at, at the point that we live in, 
Black Lives Matter mm-hmm. is a thing that we hear all the time, but I f- like I feel like so many people don't understand it. They don't understand where it comes from and mm-hmm. why it's so important and how relevant this story is mm-hmm. to the unarmed black men and young boys mm-hmm. that this happens to <clears throat> in the so often in the time docu like doc I say documentary it's like ten minutes long. Uh-huh. And I'll say it again, it's called The Body of Emmett Till. They do a good job of talking about how important imagery is mm-hmm. sometimes. Yeah. Because as non black people, we aren't experiencing it mm-hmm. and we very often cannot wrap our minds around having to experience that. Because it's not a frame of reference that we Absolutely. know. Absolutely. And so to see it, to see what had happened to Emmett Till, to see, you know... The extreme violence that they face. And this was one case of thousands. And not only was the case atrocious, there was no justice. There was no justice. And uh, I literally, I was like, I might, like be ill physically ill right now is that the men who murdered these murderers Mm -hmm. i can't emphasize that enough admitted it and because of double jeopardy they got they got paid to tell the fucking world exactly what they did in another interview they had said that emmett till ruined their lives i cannot because of the publicity that they had gotten from literally murdering a four- murdering a 14-year-old child. <sighs> Shit. Yeah. That's I got nothing. I'm I'm drained. Drink your cocktail. I'm I'm going to need another one. <laughs> this one's almost gone. Well, we are at the end. Let's let's end this and have every all the God, listeners please. be able to escape. Right? <laughs> Fucking take care of yourselves, hug your babies, Mm -hmm. hug the people that you love and that matter to you, and happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Okay. All right. So we're going to be perhaps untastefully slipping now that if you are interested, follow us on our social media accounts. We're at that broad scout moxie on Facebook and Instagram, and on Twitter we are at that. Uh, no, nope. we're at broad scout moxie. Yeah, and then rate, review, and subscribe wherever you can, wherever you're listening. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Because it's Mother's Day is coming up, and this is our our Mother's Day, you know, mm-hmm. special, saddest special in the world. Uh. Send us stories. About your mom, or your grandma, or your aunts, or your whomever. Yeah. The the mother figures, the, the strong, wonderful women in your life, send us funny stories or ways that they've, you know, changed the world. Maybe they, maybe they really got after, you know, a teacher who was, who was, you know, giving you the business or mm. whatever, whatever it is. 
let us know. We want to we wanna hear your stories. Also, if you have comments or questions or, you know, if we, if we missed something that you want to, you know, that you want us to just, you know, FYI know about, you can send us an email. Uh, we are at thatbroadsgotmoxie at gmail.com. And I think that's it. Bye. Bye.